I was just listening to the uh, Damsels in Distress episode that you guys did because nice. because I love that movie. Um, and it was fun to hear the overlaps with Noah Baumbach stuff too that you, that you guys yeah. talked about. So I, I'm yeah, all about I love that movie Damsels too. in Distress. Um, yeah, with definitely like a connection there, and I'm and so integral to um like 90s indie cinema and and to see like yeah like to see like their late period work and how they've like sort of refined their styles is like that's the fun part of like covering late period work is you can sort of see wit and noah just like still talking about the same things but just like in a new shape that's so much more mature and it's yeah damsels was so, i that was the first time i saw it i think i mentioned that it's i was just like wow this is like so my kind of humor and um justin and laura are good friends and yes yeah, yeah. yeah it's been really fun i've been um you know doing a handful of things lately um and it's just been fun to to meet all you guys who do these great series um yeah i talked i talked <laughs> about that thing you do with them which i think is coming out next month um Good, uh, good. And I was nice. very much in agree with agreement with Laura, though, that um, Damsels is my favorite with Stillman as well. But it's also funny <laughs> to think about it in terms of like, if if one were to argue that it's l- the least Stillman-ish of his, then I guess that says something about my fandom about yes. him. Um, yes. But, um, but for the record, I think that's great. And, and Love and Friendship is really good, too. And it's not speaking negatively about his earlier mm-hmm. stuff by any means um it's only that damsels is just so mm-hmm. fantastic that um that that bleeding over with some of the other filmmakers that you talked about in that episode is um yeah is interesting it feels like that one was like overrate or overlooked from the start and uh like time was its was its enemy because it was it was just it came out in the wrong time i think like 2011 wasn't the right year for it to come out like we investigate that idea a bunch during the pod where it's like what release date was the right time for what movie a little bit um because it's like if you swap um love and friendship and um damsels i think you could like see like a like a different critical outcome because i think like what doing a period piece will be properly rated at any time rather than um, doing his his typical like contemporary like posh like upper class uh character study like that'll that that needed more of a boost I think in 2016 um yeah like that that was that was that was fun because like I, I I'm just team last days of disco but still it's like your point like any of them are are so like like rhythmic and yeah there's it's great yeah, that's that's a good point about switching the order. I mean, I, I I'm not really that active on Twitter anymore, but I tweeted once I saw that Damsels was streaming on Tubi, I tweeted about that and and Whit Stillman um like saw that and and commented yeah. at how much my review had meant when that yeah. when that movie came out, which Whit Stillman retweeted our pod too, actually. He's very active. Obviously he he cares yeah. and notices yeah. that stuff. So I yeah. was like yeah. absolutely, cool. man. I like I that was a neat uh, I, I was always a little bit stingy with four star reviews, but that was a, an easy one for sure. Like why yeah. were pe- more people not singing the praises? I don't know. Yeah. It, it, Cause it, it, it's like, I'm sure Wit was trying to, I mean, I don't know if he's obsessive about how people respond to his work. Cause he's so 
idiosyncratic. It's it's just more like who are the people that champion me, and I want to respond to them rather than like who are the people that don't champion me. Like I think it's just like a better mentality that I assume he has. Um, it's always so weird to to look at him, and, and maybe we can even get into this. Like it's interesting to look at him and Noah um, together, and how he hasn't had the career that Noah has. Um, like you could see Netflix financing a Wood Stillman movie. I mean, of course Amazon did, but like more after Love and Friendship. It's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll yeah, we could definitely get into that. Yeah. Um okay, that's a sign. Let's let's get this rolling. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me is recent divorcee, Chloe Williams. Oh, I thought we were getting a divorce. Are we not getting a divorce? <laughs> I, I said really that oh. in the past tense, but I mean, I almost are just we said I have Ray Liotta on court? speed. Yeah, I almost said I have Ray Liotta on speed dial and I realize he's dead. So that's uh, it's sad. That's this is up. like his last yeah. performance, isn't it? Ugh. Oh, I hope yeah. I hope it's his last right? performance because or no I last, bet it's great, not, per, last great performance. No, you I know, but I thesis that you bring up a few times about like no actor has a last good. No, you know what his last performance is? Is Comb Cane Bear, isn't it? That's coming soon. Huh. Or I could be mistaken. That could be like a second class, but no, that that's probably I mean, unless yeah, unless there's something else that we don't know about. Because it was uh, well, now this is all coming back to me because I think it was like he passed mm. um, around the time of Many Saints of Newark. And then I think that was like when Cocaine Bear was like announced, I think. Or well, apparently he has, three, he, had, he has three other, th- or he had three other things in post-production. So that's probably oh not going to be his last movie. So I guess we're waiting for when his last movie yeah. will be. Right, 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 right. It's okay. kind of crazy that Alan Alda is still with us. Like Alan Alda, right. 80, he's 87. Wow, that's... That's that's awesome. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I honestly completely forgot he Ray Liotta died. Mm. Watching this, I completely yeah. forgot about. I, it. I I wish I did too. Yeah. It's um, a weird. Yeah, that's like one of those things where it's just like it doesn't feel. It's like he was mm-hmm. a big part of my life or anything. It's just just doesn't yeah. feel like. But he's just always good. You know, it's sad. Yeah. But you would expect him to deliver Noah's dialogue, which is such a which makes him like such a like like a like a distinct part of the movie because he's such an unnatural fit for like the Baumbach like like shape right like Alan Alda and Laura Dern make perfect sense but it's like Ray is like like a force there's no scalpel or besides maybe the main two there's no performances that are um with like scalpel precision Mm -hmm. and like you know there's that line in uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, you know, you use a scalpel, <laughs> we use a hammer. Right. Um, right, right. Dern and Leona are hammers. So you bring in Ray Leona to be a hammer, not a scalpel. Um, and so that, so that's one of those things. Right. The moment yeah. he's on, it's like he's on. He's on. Yeah. There's... Especially in that, like him and Dern trading words in that, in the courtroom. Like, yeah, of course. It's, it's fantastic. Um, today we have marriage story pretty big one today like you would like one of those like 
like 2019 auto fiction. We previously covered Pain and Glory just recently as this, when this is coming out. And it's, yeah, like it's in that mold of like, let me make a movie about myself while like adding in fictitious details and uh, like, yeah. And it's just, and it's great to see like this be such like a, an assured work and yeah, it's, it's still really good. Uh, today we have Matt Pace with us, um, author of Talk 90s with me. Um, lovely to have you here. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Really uh, appreciate the opportunity. Of course. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about your book first, and then we can go into what we've been watching recently? Sure. Thanks. So, yeah, the book is called Talk 90s with me, 23 Unpredictable Conversations with Stars of an Unforgettable Decade. So I had spent 11 years as the film critic for the Chicago Tribune's Red Eye, where I reviewed more than 2,000 movies, interviewed hundreds of people. And uh, while I definitely uh, loved everything I got to do uh, in that role, it was um, such a privilege uh, to have that uh, job for that amount of time. Uh, the interviews definitely became my favorite part of it. I love the research of reading, watching, listening to the other interviews that, uh, that people do and working to put some of my own personality in, but also just find, find the areas that other people haven't talked about, follow up on things where there's more to follow up on and just deliver material that you cannot get elsewhere. So uh, since moving on from uh, that role into uh, a full-time job that's not based on entertainment, it's been really fun to uh, continue some of that work uh, just kind of on the side. So I wrote a book that was a statistical analysis of Saved by the Bell called Zach Morris Lied 329 Times, which was <laughs> super fun to do. Uh, and then I also spoke with 22 cast members for that book uh, about Saved by the Bell and then thought it would be fun to expand beyond say by the bell stay in the 90s uh which mm. is very much the decade that i be first became excited about pop culture uh and just reach out to a bunch of people from movies and shows from the 90s uh to celebrate the the stars the performances and the work that still felt like it was worth discussing and that there were ways to bring something new to the nostalgia there yeah definitely we talked beforehand about trying to make your book feel new and exciting even though and it's about a decade that's been so overly discussed especially in our decade that nostalgia for the 90s and 80s have become so overproduced um did you have a list of you know of course like you don't have to get into detail or did you have like a list of names in mind that you're like okay I gotta get like Billy West or something like that like people that like are definitive like my sort of gateways into certain areas of uh, 90s pop culture sure i definitely had no concept of who would say yes or no right, and right. was you never constantly know. surprised <laughs> um billy west was a, is a great example of one that i sort of felt like wouldn't come through because it would be such a great um inclusion for the book uh, and as someone who grew up on Doug and and later Futurama and I, I would never really got that excited about Space Jam which I know there are plenty so many people out there who love Space Jam and many others who don't care about it in the slightest um that that was not the reason I was excited to talk to Billy West by any means but 
but work you know that's part of the conversation but but mm-hmm. whether billy west uh or tom everett scott as someone who who always loved that thing you do i was thrilled mm-hmm. for um ariana richards from jurassic park luke edwards because i always love newsies and little big league um dougie doug from cool runnings um william daniels best known as mr feeney from boy meets world of course mm-hmm. um i mean i definitely cast a wide net uh but i was so grateful for everyone who was into mm-hmm. it and to get to spend an average of 60 to 75 minutes on the phone with people and really um, get to places that were surprisingly intimate and and revealing, but also fun, accessible, thought-provoking. That was very much the, the mentality. So whether you remember all of those people or don't quite remember some of the names that you come across um megan cavanaugh who is marla hooch in a league of their own uh and was in robin humanitites as well um i think some people would read the book and say oh yeah i I know this person or this movie or show and and love it and this taught me something new or i totally forgot about this and i also felt like you were having a drink with this person or just a, a long phone call like people had in the 90s and don't really anymore Cause it's like, to me, you are already at an advantage. The fact that you get people like Amy Jo Johnson and that you wouldn't be able to get Carrie Russell because it's like, they weren't the face of their product in Felicity. The fact that they were there was enough to give you such a recollection of that time and what it, what it was like for them. And uh, I think that that was really cool. Cause it's like, even cause like taking back to Billy West, like even if, Space Jam has this like weird, like divisive cultural footprint now, especially with people who grew up with it. It was like, uh, that's pretty bad now. Or people who are like defended to their grave. Uh, it's still, it's still huge, right? Like it's still like a Michael Jordan vehicle and whatnot and whatnot. Like that one is something where it's like, yeah, I'm going to talk about it, but let me talk about the, these other things that I did in the nineties that people don't talk about. And you just have like best of both worlds. Definitely. And and he is super honest about looking back on various parts of his career um, in a lot of different ways and and focusing on the 90s, but really being led by my own experience and my own interest opened things up because I wasn't claiming and I'm not claiming that these are the only movies or shows worth remembering by any means. It's like, you know what? I loved Airborne as a kid. I still find it enjoyable. And to talk to Shane McDermott was great. (laughs) Yeah. He's not he's not Tom Hanks. But for people who care about material from the 90s, there's there's a lot of value. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it doesn't have to be Carrie Russell and Julie Roberts, Amy Jo Johnson and Shane McDermott counts for a lot, too. Mm hmm. But it's also because those, like, you know, how many people have have interviewed Julia Roberts? Like, it's at some point you want to hear from someone that you don't normally hear from and you want to get a perspective of something. Like, if I'm trying to figure out what the 90s were like, I don't necessarily want the biggest movie stars in the world to tell me because they're it's so much more, it's so much more um, closed off. Their experience is so much more closed off from everything happening around them. Someone in the industry someone who what you know and they could you know they have a decent amount of fame are going to tell you more of the ins and outs because those are the people who actually have to go to auditions those are the people who actually are going to have to like uh create a network 
and and get a job from a friend or you know kind of or hear about a role that they have to go drive uh three hours to audition for that kind of thing so i i i love that aspect of it to be honest because it's i don't know i i think there's i don't know if i want to read a whole book just filled with like movie star interviews because yeah like done before like you can kind of get that you're gonna learn yeah yeah Yeah, what are you gonna learn and again it's like that idea that if you got a carrie russell or like a Julia Roberts, um, you could have gotten like a regurgitated answer because they've been interviewed so many times. But the fact that you had people in the book that have um, that have been, you know, have talked about their projects, but just not as frequently. That certainly like lends a fresh perspective to to like you know, like I did not Clay, I, I, you know, don't want to speak for you. Like we did not grow up with cool runnings and newsies but the fact that it's like you got those people that were not front and center like made it a new perspective about something that's so popular for sure thank you yeah i mean to to even grab a handful from the book and look at gabrielle anwar dave holmes hill harper and liana creel who was tori on say by the bell and has done hardly any interviews of, of much length um about that role um there's a really um, wide spectrum of experience among people like that. So um, I love the way you guys put that in terms of the way to access the decade in in, um, a fresh way and really bring some new ideas uh, to it. So um, the goal is always to strike a really great balance where um, anyone who reads it feels like it's intellectually stimulating, but also fun. Absolutely. Um, And the book is out now. I believe. Yep, it's out yes. in uh, hardcover, paperback, and ebook on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, yeah, Walmart, Indiebound, yeah. through your uh, local independent bookstore. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, now, what have you been watching recently? Uh, our icebreaker. I always start every every pod. Anybody willing like to go first? Floor is yours. Um, I watched. What did I watch? This could also be as many as you'd like. Yeah. About so many things. It's so when did I forget when we recorded last? Um, so I'll just go quickly through it. The Outlaw Josie Wales I saw for the first time felt like in a Western mood. Um, good movie, good movie. I mean, it's it's truly it's I almost started laughing with how much like Clint's like libertarian politics were in there because there's like a whole scene of him with um a chief of an indigenous tribe basically talking about how governments suck and that people need to be people and connect with each other. Um, it's a great scene. And it's like that, those politics don't bother me. Um, but it's just, it was just one of those things that was so on the nose. I mean, it was, Hey, you know, who had a good nineties, Clint, Clint Eastwood. Um, Clint. but yeah, that movie's great. Um, uh, a little too long. And I think I paused it too much. It was one of those things. There was something else going on. And it, I feel like that movie needs to be seen in its entirety mm-hmm. without stoppage. Right. Um, writing wrongs, a Hong Kong action film. Uh, I watched it on Haya. Um, and at this point, I gotta just say, Haya sponsor. There is nothing. No, uh, there's nothing worse than bad subtitles for a foreign film. Um, and it's not that like bad. When I mean bad, I'm not necessarily talking about translation. I'm talking about the timing of it when they appear. So when I was watching that movie, literally every single subtitle was like two scenes like from for the scene coming up. 
So I had to read it and then see what they were like, see what they were saying. It was really frustrating and kind of diminished my uh, enjoyment of the movie, even though I really liked it. It's really well done. Um, Choreography is amazing. It's pretty gnarly in its um, view of what justice is and how police, uh, you know, the limitations of policing and the court system and like, because it's all about like vigilante justice and that kind of thing. It's really interesting because it, you definitely like, it's more of an American um, point of view, that idea of the outlaw, someone taking the law in their own hands. Um, uh, It's so, it was interesting to see it from um, an Eastern perspective. Um, and then I just watched because I was still kind of in a Western mood. Um, The Great Silence. I think I watched it right after the Hong Kong action movie. Um, The Great Silence. It's a Italian, um, Italian Western, uh, with Klaus Kaczynski as the villain and uh, this French actor I'm not super familiar with, Jean Louis uh, Tinnigent. Um. So we it's like a French a actor. That, that's you know. the old man from Amour. Okay. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. Fuck. Okay. Now I, feel I know bad. the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's no. It's 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 yeah. a masterpiece. It's like one of the more upsetting endings I've seen in a film in a very long time. Um, it's interesting knowing that, like the, um, sorry, uh, there that with Kaczynski and all those actors that none of their dialogue is diegetic um Mm -hmm. it's all like you know dubbed over Mm -hmm. uh in italian and so it's i mean i know and that was a common of course kinski is german and like right exactly uh, french right like it's a whole even though he doesn't talk in the film that's the whole point um yeah 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 yeah, uh, yeah. french actor um Mm -hmm. but no it's uh i I, it's like a perfect movie i I truly Mm -hmm. watching it it was just it's there's not a single thing wrong with it it's just incredible yeah yeah, that's awesome. No, I that's that's one where it's like I've always known of it, and like I know like I love I love the two leads. Like I, just like I, yeah, like that's one where it's like oh I should just get to this one if I don't know what else to see. But hang on, do you hear that sound? It's a knock at the cabin. I, it's a knock. It's knocking at the cabin. Like it's so good. So I that's what I saw recently. It's it's amazing. Like Shyamalan's here, um, just doing like tense raw thrillers with these small budgets that are self-financed and have these like I haven't seen it yet I'm so mad well well utilized yeah. cast is so good it's like wow like this this like parable about you know just what do you do when the world's ending like uh, I don't know like <laughs> tough decisions right it's, it's just like the whole cast is great uh no I, I just I think it's tremendous the, like the oh man the run of this and old is just ah uh, so good but no i just yeah like you, you like old a lot too I, I like i like old a lot i, I i'm an old fan as well one i like of, the beach I mean, that makes we, we both we both went to the beach um we were we were like what how old six or seven when we went to the beach um but it's uh yeah not, that's yeah. how we're that's how we're old now yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um no, I think I think both of them are like seeing him like like really hone in on adaptations, um, putting his own spin on it. And you know, it's like I get it. Like if his dialogue is like just too measured for some people, it's it's like I I understand. It's just like it, it, it works for me. It's I like the sincerity of it. 
I always go in hopeful. Uh, Split Split was the last one of his that I I was pleasantly surprised by. Uh, I'd have to. I only vaguely remember my feelings about old. I think it looked great, but fell into the "this is too stupid for me." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting because it's just like that concept is just like I I, I just I, I maybe I'm just too easily rattled, but it's like that entire concept. I was just sort of like. Oh, that movie's really disturbing. It the whole, it's really, I, and honestly, Knock at the Cabin is very just unnerving the entire time. Is that time. R? I feel, no, I think it's PG-13 because it yeah. doesn't show. He the, operates like, so well. Well, mm. people die in it, but I'm spoilers, but, it's, but he doesn't show the, the, the gore, right? And um, yeah, it seems like Universal is just, it, he's in the stable, right? It's just, it's great. Well, I mean, if he interested? keeps help, like self-financing, they'll let him yeah, do it. Like right, it's a win-win right. for them. Do you think? I mean, as someone who always was impressed with him uh, as a director, but just took issues with the script, the scripts over and over yeah. again. You, you like him as a director more would, than a writer. Yeah. yeah. Would he? Yeah. Do you think he would thrive if he directed other people's scripts more, or would something break down and it wouldn't be better? Um. I who wrote um, Unbreakable. Did someone write that? I think it was, Let's wasn't see. it? And has he directed someone else's script before? I do I not must have so. at some point. Maybe he's at co writers, but um, oh, I, I don't know. Answer, no, you're right. I guess you're right. I think it's because it's like he's never done it before. It would be interesting. Um, he knows, like, he's made like this is like movie like number 11 or 12 like he knows like these characters like in, like he gives these characters like such interesting details and the language like the language of of the movie is there to like re reset like those details right and it's like if he was directing someone else's script it would just like i think it would feel off yeah but it's like he needs to find the right writer i guess i i think servant it might be the closest thing his television show um, oh, oh no! After yeah. I, After Earth was also um, that was Gary Whitta and Smith and Will Smith. Right. Also, I haven't seen that one in he wrote a some while. of it. That's right. Um, right. Like he always has a hand in the screenplay. It's just not written and directed by M Night. And his the uh, episodes he directed for Servant, you know, probably he wrote. But mm-hmm. I'm guessing, or I don't know. But there's a, that's a, like a big collaborative process. Like he's not even. I don't think he's even. Um, the uh, I don't think he's. Uh, what what's the word I'm trying to use? He's credited as the creator of the show. I don't think mm-hmm. I think he's just an executive producer. So mm. yeah. Uh I don't know. Probably that would be interesting. I'm up for yeah. whatever he wants to do, to be honest. Um I, I definitely don't think he has a perfect filmography. Um mm-hmm. I haven't seen all of his stinkers. I've seen Last Airbender, and that movie is horrendous. Um but I've but... liked everything else to some extent. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I mean, I is I, my I, that's my thing. It's like he has one for me he has one flaw. Well, I like Split, and I like Glass a decent amount. Um, the other ones I'm pretty fond of. Mm-hmm. I, I have not seen yeah. The Happening, Lady in the Water, um, Praying with Anger, or The Visit, um, or After. Oh, you would so you would ride I've for The Visit. Oh, you would. Oh, that one's so good. No, but it's The just Village like, though is one of my favorite movies. Like, ever. oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's great. But uh, I After I, Earth I, and Lady in the Water. Uh, <laughs> not so much 
No, you were out of the water for that one. Um, but I think uh, I haven't seen After Earth in like a decade, but I'm still, but it's like, I don't like, I, you know. You don't have an opinion. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I'm sort of like neutral. Um, it's You've been would, so removed from it that you don't yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I, um, I would like to see the happening in Lady in the Water just to like, see if they're as bad as people make them out to be, or if like there's any reassessment, but. Have you not seen it? Is at least enjoyable. I mean, not a, I mm. didn't find Lady in the Water enjoyably bad. Um, happening was at least enjoyably bad. But I'm excited to hear uh, yeah. what you thought of Knock at the Cabin. That that makes me want to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I'm really 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 want to see it. I just have not. I, that's that and the and Magic Mike. Those are the two movies oh, I got to see. Yeah. He's back. Um, and I I wish I had something to name that. Uh, even came close to rivaling the stuff you guys mentioned. I remind when you asked that, my mind goes to I saw that movie at midnight uh, that uh, that arrived at Paramount Plus oh, yeah. um, for Valentine's Day, and that looks charming. Uh, I I love romantic comedies. I am absolutely someone who has had plenty of times over the years when you know. I've cried at the end of a, a love story. I've I've really enjoyed the way that those can be constructed. I it would be difficult for me to dislike at midnight more. It to me it was oh, so wow. much like the example of uh there's a difference between sort of like forgettably familiar and offensively cliche so as mm. to contain no feeling whatsoever um mm. and and it's very much an example of offensively of key, cliche is a beautiful way to put it i love that <laughs> thank you uh it was rough you know i can i i totally appreciate the value of the kind of the the, the movie that's just kind of straight down the middle that that no one is really the goal wasn't that high, but if you can sort of achieve something modest and 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 make people feel warm for a little while, it's not that's not going to be the best movie of all time, but it's going to satisfy what some people are looking for. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't believe anything anyone says, don't want the people to get together, find every single situation and exchange loaded with stereotypes and like the worst possible examples of the the ninth rate version of that thing um excusing it simply because it's about two people allegedly falling for each other is is wrong just you know that shouldn't get a pass nothing nothing gets a pass uh Mm -hmm. if if it feels like horrifically inauthentic and and i love when it's so fantastic when you see a movie about two people getting together or working it out or trying to work it out. Um, even something, uh, a movie like Sleeping with Other People, um, which I love, uh, and that doesn't have the most novel storyline to it. It's not that it's so ingeniously plotted by any means, but it it knows how to do what it's doing. You care about the characters. The individual scenes play out in a way that you are invested in it, and um, and it works. It works really well. Um, and at midnight is very much the the opposite of that. Not that. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. That's interesting. I, I was like, I was I saw ads for it in the trailer. I was like, oh, well, this could be something like that. It's like, of course, we're at such a stage with romantic comedies. Um, I saw 
the um uh your place or mine uh you know reese and ashton they're doing their thing in that one uh like i'm like halfway through it i saw a little, a little bit of it today and it's like we're at this place with them where it's like they need to like reach kind of like a height or like there's an expectation because rom-coms are at such a low status as a genre and it's like we just don't know where to put them and the fact that they can't be romantic or funny it's just yeah it's it's a bummer um did you happen to see dating in new york i think that's the writer director's last movie i did not see that no yeah yeah okay i saw that was no neither did i i was just curious because i know that this is like now he's like working with a studio and I think like dating New York is an IFC. It's like a sort of, this is like a sort of like a step up. Interesting. Do not recommend uh, at midnight. No, but, to say the yeah. least. To say the Jack, least. do you want to, do you want to know how lazy this script for this movie is? Please. Uh, there's two characters, their name uh, that uh, I, that popped out to me with their uh, names. One is named Adam Clark. And the other was named Jimmy Martin. Okay. <laughs> Adam Clark. They really searched the bottom of the barrel for that one. They were like, ooh, what's <laughs> a name we could give someone? Adam yes. Clark. Two first names. Two. Well, you talk about two people trying to work it out and come together. Oh, makes ooh. me think about. Oh, okay. Uh, 2019's Marriage Story. Um. You know, we talked a little bit before we began recording about Noah's, like, footprint on the late 90s independence scene and kicking and screaming is a big one. Um, and how that spoke to a lot of, like, Gen X people of that age and, and it's just, like, the anxiety of, of that era. Um, and so beautifully, he has such a language for young people and differing generations and trying to live up to your, you know, it's like Noah's thing is like so well realized already in kicking and screaming and then like thinking about your book and then like 24 years later, I think, or like 25 years later into marriage story. Um, it's such a, it's such, it's such a mature version of the same filmmaker. Matt, what was your first time seeing marriage story? What I love about Nicole, she is a mother who plays, really plays. What I love about Charlie, he loves being a dad. He loves all the things you're supposed to hate, like waking up at night. She knows when to push me and when to leave me alone. He never lets other people keep him from what he wants to do. Dad, you're too far. I know. It's not easy for her to close a cabinet. He's incredibly neat. She's brave. He's brilliant. She's He's very competitive. Brave. I'll tell Charlie what's happening, and Cassie, you then hand him the envelope. I just get nervous. Can you unserve? What do you mean, like take it back? Charlie and I are getting a divorce, Mom. You can't be friends with him anymore. Gma! Charlie Bird! <laughs> Mom! <laughs> Mom! What? You know, most people in my business, you just transactions to them. I like to think of you as people. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> You remind me of myself on my second marriage. Baby, I'm amazed the way you love me all the time. Part of what we're gonna do together is tell me your story. Did you dye your hair again? No, this is me. You don't like it? Is it shorter? I prefer it longer, but... How are you doing? 
I didn't ever really come alive for myself. I was just feeding his aliveness. I'll never get to really be his parent again. He needs to know that I fought for him. It's not as simple as not being in love anymore. Eventually, it'll be the two of you having to figure this out. Together. If we start from a place of reasonable and they start from a place of crazy, when we settle, we'll be somewhere between reasonable and crazy. When I think of my first exposure to Noah Baumbach, I I don't know if this was necessarily my first exposure to it, but I think of how acclaimed the Squid and the Whale was when it came out. And for whatever reason... Of course, reason, you can't help but think of Squid and the Whale without Marriage Story, that there are certainly two perspectives on the... Certainly, yeah. Um, and, and for whatever reason, um, that that movie just was a little bit too tart for me um it just it's i mean i i'm being a little bit generous by even using a word the word tart i mean when i when i just i was gonna say yeah when i describe the squid the whale and margo with the wedding the way i think of them is is, uh bitter Bitter, Um, right sour yeah (laughs) and and part of as i was thinking about us talking about marriage story um, today, I was really just, I was thinking about so much about Noah Baumbach's work, but one of it is just that I'm always so interested in what connects with people and what doesn't. And I think because of the nature of his work and the, the specificity of the characters and the depending on the film, the sort of simultaneous sense of, of a lot happening and nothing happening or, um, you know, and, and that, that changes, um, from time to time, but I'm, I'm circling around the idea that to me, the squid and the whale, even returning to it, um, a few years ago, I think I liked it more than I did when it came out, but I still found it. What I love about his best movies is I feel like they've been processed fully and then mm-hmm. created, whereas the squid and the whale, I sort of think of as being sort of chewed and getting stuck in the teeth, even as it's being made. Um, right, and right. and something like Marriage Story or or Francis Ha, which and or Meyerowitz, and I know you guys have covered a lot of of his work because mm-hmm. he's he's been it's our fourth recently. Uh, um, but I think yeah. he's on a really good um, run lately. I mean, it's a, it's a great career, mm-hmm. but. Um, a marriage story which i uh saw right when it came out and and wrote about at length for um a, a book that i was contributing to at the time i just thought is right up there with with anything he's done um for a lot of reasons um but it's i mean i know we'll we'll wait to talk about favorite scenes but you could make the argument for 25 different scenes here and mm. and i'd buy it because the scenes are so long, too. It's just that it's a very theatrically written, like, it's it's really, I mean, I remember talking with Brianna Ziegler about Marriage Story a bazillion years ago. And it, that movie is just people talking in rooms. It's very talky and conversations about um, 
how how our lives are going and and like sort of like irony of inside the dialogue and it's and it's this also but like there's more syrupy moments in here and I think there's less like weirdness in here than there is in Meyerowitz um and I remember also in that episode that it's like we we had we had a a, a tangent about like if uh Marriage Story and Meyerowitz had swapped release dates that what would that look like if Meyerowitz would not have been overshadowed by Mary Shorey's huge awards push and all this. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause yeah, like for me, I remember um, seeing uh marriage story at the Coolidge theater in Boston. And uh, that was one of the first times that I remember like not seeking out a movie till it comes on Netflix, but then seeing it in a theater, because like obviously this and the Irishman were the two 2020 award season pushes from Netflix. Um and yeah, I was just I just remember being blown away. Like no bound back at that point was one of my favorite directors, still is. Um I just love the way that he writes characters and uh has such a, like a witty eye for these very small human details and his filmmaking is just like pretty unprecedented and very different but like still feels in line with himself in here um and thanks to Robbie Ryan who like gives this like a very like warm feel to to each frame and also the Randy Newman score. I mean, it's I, I always constantly return back to it. And, and as part of the the discussion of of romantic comedies and and what doesn't work when we don't care about the people, Mary's Story just does such an extraordinary job from the first word, from the first second of mm-hmm. tapping into something really important. Um, about um people being multifaceted because that's one of the biggest problems with in my opinion about um stories about relationships uh is when it falls into a really sort of dull binary world of like this is why we like each other then this problem happened and then i said oh i signed up for a dance class and now we're happy <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> If you're together with someone for years and years and years, you're going to have more than three things going on. Um, or when when something has the um I this is just the first thing that came to mind, but um in in A Star is Born, it really bothered me the like constant uh reference to wasn't there like a a, a running thing about like her nose or something? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, he does like this, yeah. Yeah, it was like yeah. to me that was supposed to like reinforce their closeness and and all it was actually doing was reiterating the degree the degree to which their relationship was still on like step one yeah (laughs) like having to still utilize this stuff like develop it further and and in two seconds which of course this is a story of a a marriage and two people coming apart but but the the way that that marriage story throws you into this and shows how thoroughly the filmmaker has considered these people um gets us off on the best possible start and as we try to understand why they worked for a while and then didn't anymore yeah and like it's such a corny 
and like you like a it, like it doesn't really have any or like it's lost its meaning I think because it's been so reiterated but it's not really about it's not a movie about divorce it's about like two people realizing that they're better off separate um and it's funny because it's like divorce is like an inherently uncinematic practice and even in like I, I was listening to an interview with Baumbach earlier today and he was even struggling to come up with like several divorce movies not to say that he couldn't create one out of like whole cloth but it's just like you know like there's Kramer versus Kramer like E.T. like shoot the moon like a few others uh it's interesting yeah it's the moment you have to bring E.T. into it you know it's not like a thriving genre and even he made one of the definitive ones with Squid the Whale um but just at a different perspective a different time in his life um different feel right (laughs) we talk about the bitterness of Squid the Whale uh, yeah, that's. I mean, we like you've mentioned, Matt. We've talked a lot, a lot about. This is uh, our Bombach fourth bound back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he only has two more. One? No, yeah. he, has oh, he has two more. He has Greenberg and While We're Young, and then, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure. It's... Yeah, Green. Oh, that's right. We haven't done While We're Young. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, Greenberg's 2010. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, no. And so, yeah, I've talked about, I think my... Greenberg's the only one I haven't seen, too. I, to. I haven't seen Squid and the Whale or Greenberg or mm. Kicking and Screaming. He did that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. You um, would like Kicking and Screaming. Oh, and I guess De Palma doesn't... It counts as well. Right. Oh, um, sure. I forgot about De Palma. Yeah, I've only really seen his... Yeah, I, I haven't seen... Um, I haven't seen White Noise. Heard very um, mixed things about that. Um, I'm interested. Matt, what do you think of White Noise? So that was because of when it came out. That was very much in the award season, like push right. um, mm-hmm. at the end of last year. And I, I think I made it. I, I didn't get to finish that one yet. I want to make it to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while, I wasn't super into it. Then I really was, and then I wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to <laughs> make it to the end. But there's at, at the very least like a a hilarious 15 minute chunk in that movie but yes. i know there's a lot more going on to, than that oh yeah. jesus two hours and 10 minutes okay it's right. it's i think it's like it's i think it's actually a similar runtime as yeah it's almost it's a minute, a minute off yeah. of marriage story yeah, yeah. but the um, pacing is quite different yes <laughs> I, I but i mean so. it's such a i understand like you're trying to like pay homage to like that from what i understand a very dense adaptation and like it's like if if like the DeLeo book is gonna be so like broad, then like it, it makes sense that the movie is gonna appear so uneven. It's kind of like the thing with Cosmopolis that people struggled with. Like, okay, well, if you're adapting DeLeo, it's gonna add up to like something of like a lot like a broken movie, but I kind of like it. I liked white noise. <laughs> And I think something, um, I, there are a million things that impressed me about Mayor's Story, but one is that mm-hmm. I do think it moves really quickly and does have a lot of replay value. Um, of course, as I said, these movies will very much hit people in certain ways, and some people might ha- might have to turn it off after a few minutes for for whatever reason or whatever it connects to their life in a certain way, but I... You know, I'm not comparing these two movies by any means, but a movie like Speed, you say, oh, I'll watch five minutes and then 45 minutes goes by. I think you could have that experience with Marriage Story too in a very different right. way, but but it's it's constructed with the same <clears throat> um, 
efficiency and and engagement very different movies but you see what i'm getting at yeah definitely and i wonder if that holds true with the streaming of it all rather than with speed you can just be flipping through cable channels and then and then catch like the middle of it um but rather with this you just have to like actively start it and then being like oh well like let's just turn this on that is it that's interesting because it's like this one i do i think you're completely right where it's like it feels just like it has like a warm tone that i don't think any of his other movies aside from maybe Meyerowitz, have about like adult issues but well um, my my reason why i would maybe i i couldn't like just put this on randomly i i think it's a very emotionally taxing film that um it does have like moment it has definitely it's like moments of real levity and stuff mm-hmm. it's just it's so personal and so raw that it gets to a point where i don't i'm not uncomfortable watching it no it's a very like aesthetically it's you know it's a well shot well um look it's a great looking movie um the acting is really easy to watch and there's a lot of great comedic performances i mean alan alda himself is a very warm presence um and of course, the other actors surrounding the main mm-hmm. two. Um, but I guess when it gets to those real, like, those moments of pure destruction of a relationship, um, it's it's a bit agonizing to watch. But, I mean, I definitely do see the idea of it. It's insanely engaging. I mean, the beginning of it is super perfect. It's a beautiful way to start a movie about the divorce. Otis Redding song. Yeah. Um. But that idea of starting off with the reasons they love each other and to visually see that and to see that like that life that that was happening before the movie. You know what I mean? Like that whole entire existence that we have that Mm -hmm. we didn't see that we're just seeing glimpses of. Mm -hmm. And this idea of this like very rosy picture. And then, you know, it's then you start getting into the details of why it was such a horrible relate or not horrible, but like messy relationship. Um, yeah, I, I remember seeing this around the time, December, 2019. Um, I watched it with my mom. I can't remember exactly what her reaction of it was, but it was definitely, it does like a perfect Not movie a to watch with your parents. Yeah. Um, I think that's, uh, really, yeah, it's a really fitting movie, um, to watch with people who are, you know, a bit older, who've lived more of a life and have had more, you know, relationships and, that kind of thing. Uh, I I don't know if I saw Francis Ha or Mistress America yet. I might have seen Francis Ha, but um, mm-hmm. at the time though, this was definitely maybe my favorite of his. Right now, it's probably it's for sure Francis Ha. I think that's like a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's like my, mm-hmm. one of my favorites ever. Yeah, um, it's great. Might be mine too. But this is, and it is funny as I, you know, as I was being more, as time passed and I was more removed from the first time I watched it, I was, it's one of those things where it's maybe not the Wes Anderson effect, but it's the idea of these very much eclectic, uh, idiosyncratic directors. When the, when you think about them and when you like, and also when you like hear people like, like, slobber praise over them it gets to be a little irritating um because everyone has like their it's this when it's their niche and it's all this like kind of 
I don't know. I guess the culture around it can be somewhat alienating if removed from it. And I love Wes Anderson. I love like all these like very much like idiosyncratic, you know, very stylized directors. And obviously Bombach is not as is nowhere near as stylized as Anderson. Um, but that idea of, you know, they've created their own genre in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they sort of their own and also, fan base. like Right. And watching more of his other stuff felt. I don't know. I got I I grew less and less attached with Marriage Story. I still thought it was really solid. And then rewatching it this time, I kind of realized why I loved it in the first place. And I realized that if you remove like the discourse and, you know, the whole perception of Bombox isms and such that you just still have like a incredibly like effective and efficient film. Yeah. with a great screenplay and great acting and incredible editing and um a moving score it's one of those movies that when i watch it it's like it's definitely not like one of my favorites or whatever but it is just like man that's just that's it's really fucking good yeah right that's yeah that's the job uh, to, yeah i can't believe i quoted two different fucking lines <laughs> from angela bassett in mission impossible fallout that's <laughs> something i was not coming into today <laughs> expecting um but that is but that's the job that's what you're supposed to do that's the fucking making a movie that has everything you want in it and says all it says everything you want and shows different perspectives and gives you a a very much like a not voyeuristic but like a real point of view it's an under the hood look at what divorce Mm -hmm. court and that's what and that's what these movies are about man you gotta get really and actually have a view of what's going on yeah and in that way I, I no, no other movie has done this successfully. No, no other movie has done this for me. Uh, even the one, two, three, five or six movies that collectively I'm sure we can think of that centralized divorce. Yeah, like this is the only one ever to me. But right, like like even if we Google, like I think this is the only <laughs> like that's why I, th- I think it's magnificent and even underrated at this point, which is like weird to think about, but it's. Because, yeah, like, you bring up the online discourse, and it's, like, it's it's just hard. It's, I wish we could sit, I think it's because, like, the distance that we have now, we can separate from, like, the fight scene becoming, like, a meme unto itself. And that was just, like, annoying, and it sort of, like, became a life of its own for, for just no, for no reason. A, a little bit of, like, what happened to the Irishman, but to maybe a lesser extent. Um, yeah, but this, yeah, yeah, like you're saying, like even like the smaller details, like Julie Haggerty and Merritt Weaver as like the supporting players for Nicole's side and just like each each scene has like such a purpose, like even the ones that I forgot about, like, like the knife scene, <laughs> which I always forget is <laughs> coming, but um that like has like brings such levity after like even the events post fights yeah i was that's what i was going to bring up next actually jack is that i think kind of the delicate brilliance that is that can be overlooked sometimes about bombach's best work is the way that he can find really funny elements to these sometimes prickly situations where it never feels like he's compensating um it would be so easy to make a a movie about divorce that was just like 
that felt like work to watch and it was just emotionally grueling the whole time um or something that was aware of not wanting to feel too serious and then did a really lousy job of trying to be mm-hmm. funny about it too but marriage story is often really funny yeah um but it's always based in character and that sounds so um simple and it is incredibly difficult to execute but but that scene uh you mentioned about uh with like the with serving him the papers um mm. and like the pie and just the creating these funny long sequences that as you mentioned there are a lot of long scenes here but it never it never steps wrong it never feels like something that is um mistaken about what's funny about these people or what's sort of tragic about what they've learned about each other um so even even when there can be a a really difficult and unpleasant battle going on in court uh for there to be a line like he became a genius during the course of the marriage um that's like so appropriate within the horribleness of what's happening but also so funny yeah or or like he grew too obsessed with his own work which is like such like an unsettling um like a a realization about your partner that you could grow too attached to yourself and not of you. And like that, and because I think it's that, I mean, similar to Scarlett Johansson, like I believe that Nicole and Charlie got married fairly young um, and that because they got married so young, they also didn't realize this about themselves until years into their relationship. Um, Yeah. And I think it's like, something that separates this from like another movie that's looming large over this one is Kramer versus Kramer is like the treatment of Henry. Like he's like sometimes annoying and like a hassle, but he's not like the emotional crux. Um, Like you don't have that many scenes of like taking Henry to school and like Charlie's then late for like, like a the a play rehearsal or something it it just he seems just something else that they that they're doing this all for him but not like he doesn't have like a, a thread in the movie that that's hinging on him which Kramer versus Kramer does and um and you know it's like that that's sort of like it's really about like you know Hoffman obviously trying to become a better dad but it's like you kind of do believe that Charlie is a good dad, if not sometimes an absent one. Definitely. I mean, the that early moment during during the opening sequence where you see them in in bed together, then on the floor together, then in bed together, um, is is so great. And mm-hmm. um, again, that's that's something that it seems like it would be easy to capture characters in a movie being. Um, good parents or invested parents or um, struggling parents in a way that feels um, real. But those moments I think are few and far between where it seems like a filmmaker is really considering the things that other movies don't see. Um, And that's just, that's spread all throughout. Um, I mean, even, even in, in trying to create little bits of conflict or something where where like the car seat isn't um secured properly um that 
that is that just, scene is like worse than the fight scene, honestly, because it's in some yeah, regards, there's, there's just like, too much going on, and yeah. <laughs> and and we are, and it's it's not foreshadowed, but we we've seen how um, the character can get lost in his own head or maybe overlook mm-hmm. certain details, but also be very attentive to other details too. Um, right. And again, that's where it comes from people being multifaceted and instead of these movies that show like oh you are good at this and not good at this um marriage story creates people that have lots of contradictions going on and some ways in which they really mesh and and some things that really needed time to um evolve in order for them to even understand what what does work or doesn't and those things can like ebb and flow too I mean, I just think that the movie is so much in motion and yet also never suggesting that they're going to get back together, which would yeah. have been a really that's a, that's easy a good observation for to go also. Um, because it's like you know, it's so interesting. It's like we've seen Noah make movies that are like 80 minutes, 90 movies, a hundred minutes, and then for him to go like a little over two two hours. But then, like, still keep this, like, really snappy, swift pace is, like, really a testament to how efficient of a writer he is. Um, and, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's great. That's, like, they, they're cordial and they're mature to an extent, but there's not that tease of, like, oh, like, they maybe have, like, sexual tension or what have you. Like, it's just they are trying to move on as delicately as delicately as possible um with this like really nuanced way of how this marriage eventually broke down um even if it is as something as concrete as like well charlie cheated on nicole with the costume designer and that was just like pretty shitty but then it's like yeah like you get into that point in the movie when nicole hires nora like and should know better because it's like once you hire like this sharky like aggressive divorce lawyer and then like charlie is then caught off guard it's it's interesting because it's like you you like the the whole movie is set up in these uh two like two sides like it's such a duality thing and how do personalities or like individual perspectives react to this pre-existing culture and ecosystem of divorce um, this very like institutionalized thing now. I mean, this is what people make their careers on as people divorcing, uh, like divorce lawyers, like mm-hmm. entire law form law firms dedicated to divorce and family mm-hmm. law. Um, it is and it's, like, and it's also this idea where it's like this is just their job, and it's like, oh, I'm going to the benefit that John Lynch is at tonight, where it's like this is just like like an everyday occurrence. It's like, but these are people's just, lives. It's people's lives. Yeah, exactly. It's terrifying. Um. And how normalized it can be well, the moment you put like monetary gain behind it and how it can become a way of, you know, advantage and disadvantage who gets what, what can, you know, what can I get out of the situation? And a lot of times it's valid because there are, you know, relationships can end in very messy ways. And some of those things do need to be worked out, but how humanity is punished in those systems like Bert is fired Alan Alda is fired for being too human um but also that also gets to a point of um Charlie's flaws as a person and Charlie's um vindictiveness and the way he lets his emotions carry him into a situation 
that no one wins. Um, yeah, and it's just like this how two people are turned like it's a meat grinder in a way like, you know, pe- you know, meat go like, you know, people come in, go in, chunks come out. Um, but to try to maintain that humanity in something that's become so inhuman is yeah it's interesting i think this is for sure like that it it, like as someone who has not really been around divorce it is one of those things where the moment you start getting to the minutia of it you understand how ridiculous of a practice it can be uh yeah different different he just sets different boundaries some you know some directors like it when you mess with the script or you know do something in the moment for us because it's so especially this one because we've talked it through ad nauseum so much before we've started and it's so clear and lean when you get it from the beginning it it, when even when i first read it there there didn't seem to be a scene that was interchangeable or or that the whole thing as a whole survived without it which is always a good sign and every scene felt like the stakes were high in the um which is which is rare but on but he just sets boundaries similar to what theater is you know with theater if it's a well-written thing it's this is what the script is but intention is entirely flexible and that happens you know you and i know this from theater you do a play for four months and you know it's eight shows a week and it adds up to like 120 you know whatever but if it's with good writing uh it opens up your imagination to different uh ways of doing it or maybe something happened before you go in the theater that makes you you know makes something about what you're reading that line made sense in a way that it didn't before or, and he gives you the benefit of a lot of takes to keep exploring intention. So in that sense, it's, it's completely freeing. And I, I find that that's helpful. Even the way we block it out, everything's meticulously, you know, how does the action match what it is, the story that we're telling. And now that we have that, you're free to kind of explore what it means, you know, and he'll give you something or he'll put you in an environment that's so filled with detail that there's no, nothing to go inside to generate it's all in front of you it's in these incredible actors like alan alder you know or ray Liotta or scarlet or it's in a set piece you know it's a it's you know, um a drawing that Eji has done you know uh, that is you know placed on the couch or it's the fact that the apartment's so sparse you know or the uh, you know ray Liotta's office you know how corporate it feels it's all in he's very meticulous at everything so there's you don't you don't have to retreat in you just have to not get in the way of the language and and because you've done theater, I know one thing about this film is that uh, um, we kind of come in, we do come in at the end of this relationship. I mean, it's already fallen apart. We don't have that thing of like, what caused it? What, you know, what, like that is just a given. As an actor, how do you, how do you set that up for yourself? Uh, you know, particularly with uh, Scarlett Johansson, your, your co-star, how did you guys prepare for that? Well, again, most of it's all in the script. And then, you know, your scene partners hopefully are, you know, present when you're shooting it, you know. Um, as, but we did, you know, have a lot of the luxury of rehearsal, uh, especially in bigger scenes. We would, you know, we rehearsed it similar as you would a play at some like windowless, overly lit room in a basement somewhere in L.A. And we taped everything out on the floor and we would experiment with the scenes and just reading it and walking it through. And then, you know, for again, for bigger things, we would get on the set before we could with anything, no... Uh, equipment or technology we're just you know figuring out what makes the most sense and it's just one camera he's just pushing one camera everywhere so uh to do things like longer scenes like the fight for example we you know we he scheduled it so it would be two days 
Um, and we, whenever on the second day, when we're at the latter part of the scene, you know, we're like, okay, we'll just start from the very beginning. So every time we did that scene, we'd run it from the top. And, um, I forgot where your question was. Well, you, you answered it. It, so. it was more yeah. like, I guess it, it's in the script, it's in the actors and, and it's the, in the ritual, or I guess in the repetition of doing it a lot. I guess that, you you know, every time you do it, you become more economical, you become more open to another detail, as I said before, that you weren't, that you were closed off to before. And, you know, Noah's a great director. So he's giving you thoughts along the way that he's an incredible audience member and a good actor. He's acting it kind of with you. Not not on the side. He's not acting on the side. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be strange or interesting. Um <laughs> Uh, but he's very uh, he he he's giving you know he's he's kind of rediscovering it based on you know you have Laura Dern giving the speech that she does in a way that kind of teach you about what it, what it's about and then uh, then it becomes a conversation you know that then it's like, oh maybe try this you know and and he's a our our best audience member in that so it's a, it's a, a collection of a lot of things of course again like I said there's sometimes where those kind of fights do need to happen for a person to get like custody like for the rightful person to get custody but in other ways it's like this clown show it's like this community theater no it's, of, it's circus um, yeah right yeah. i mean literally like I, I think i think adam driver has a has like a uh observation about like you see you know charlie being a play director is like like the the court the divorce court that's his that's a stage as well of course and and then like hiring ray he wanted like a better actor than bert or jay i mean whoops uh but um no and then i guess that's interesting too where it's like you know nicole is an actress hiring nora as her actress and like they're both creating these narratives about charlie and nicole I mean, it's certainly all operating on the sort of central irony, right, of, mm-hmm. of two people who have failed um, to establish communication and compromise in a, now in a situation that absolutely requires communication and compromise in order to be resolved. Um, mm-hmm. And then requiring sort of endless time and money to even just and 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 that's again what what is so remarkable about the writing too which is where and I'm curious um what the experience has been like for you guys I think maybe the first or second time you watch the movie um early on when Charlie says something like like we want the same things like when he says that it comes off as sort of easygoing and like they just want to resolve things amicably and like things are going to be okay but then uh, um the more I've, I've seen this a handful of times now and i just there are so many moments that continue to crystallize about <clears throat> being really smartly considered in showing uh actually he that is really just a, a moment of him kind of only thinking about what he wants and making assumptions and not actually listening to the input that's that's coming his way. And and throughout, I think, I mean, do you guys find yourself, if, if you see it repeatedly, does your perception of, of certain elements of their relationship or the way the characters are drawn, do you find that sort of um, staying the same or changing in some ways? There's, the, like Bert says at one point, you know, like, 
you see like criminal lawyers, you see people like bad people at their best and divorce lawyers see good people at their worst. Yeah. It's, it's like this idea too, that, that observation reminds me of like, um, the criticism of like the first half feeling like Nicole's movie. And then it takes a turn into like, but really this movie is about Charlie. And I don't think like the movie is like siding with Charlie, but it's more like, absolutely not. If it's yeah, like it's it's fairly critical, but if it's Noah writing and directing this, I think it's inevitably gonna be making that unconscious turn. Um, I definitely was more sympathetic to Nicole this time. Um that she's you know, it's it's this it's that idea that it's like the mom has to be the bad guy in the situation, right? Of course, like that was that was sort of like I was thinking of that, and but the, the, they're not bad people they're just like caught up in a situation that charlie doesn't recognize is as bad as it is and he's just trying to make the best of it but in the not in the best way possible watching it this time i realize how much of a fucking asshole charlie is um in a way that i also meant that i just said it differently yeah. <laughs> just... <laughs> You you say it all flowery. I I I, I you know you're again you're the you know, scalpel. No, I'm the hammer. I know. I'm still, yes yes. He's a raging dick in a way that he disguises himself as the nicest person. But that's the, that that's th- the the seductive thing about Adam Driver that he is this like 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 calm, assertive like articulate presence like big like six foot whatever presence. That, that that's that's this thing that like works for him in every performance and it's just like ah, i want to like you but then like here it's just like i don't know about you <laughs> but it's like it's this, right. this thing is like adam is so good but anyway it's interesting yeah it's like at first when i first watched it i thought the movie was on his side um at least a little bit um and i and i was more sympathetic towards him and like you said, Matt, when you rewatch it, you really get an idea of how fucking clueless he is. Like one of the most clueless people on the planet of just like, and it really crystallizes in when he's like, I don't understand why you want to live in LA. Like it's one of them, like how it really shows how self-obsessed he is. And how he's how he refuses to even think of a different perspective other than himself. But those also those moments that of his of Henry saying, I like it here more. I love it here more. I love my school. I like my friends better and all of that. Those moments also stood out more. The idea of how much of in the wrong he is for this entire movie. Uh, I'm not saying Nicole's perfect, but. It's like one of his biggest criticisms uh, is her hacking into his emails or whatever. And it's like she already expect even before that she expected that she he cheated on her. He are she already had a feeling. And so, of course, like, yeah, is it morally wrong to hack into someone's emails? Yeah, sure. Whatever. But one, you're, they're in a, you know, they're fucking married. They're not supposed to keep t- secrets from each other in general. And two, it's like. What do you expect when you ha- show any kind of flirtation with a coworker? They're g- the person's going to get paranoid and jealous. So it's like, what did you? So that's like that's like his big criticism in a way of some like of like or you know obviously he has other things he he you know criticizes, but 
She, yeah, I, I think the reason why so many people criticize this movie of taking his side when it first came out is because of like that, uh, because of how nice he is and how he, how he, he like always is like, we need to be reasonable about this. We need to do blah, 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 blah. And he, on, on one hand, he's right. I think that there was a better, more reasonable way to take it. And at the moment that, you know, Laura Dern becomes involved, it's a little different, but it's one of those things that's like she has been so powerless in this relationship in a lot of ways that the moment she has freedom and, you know, she's trying to exert some kind of power, you're like, no, let's be reasonable now. Let's not do that. Um, But yeah, that niceness, that politeness that of him try- and him just, you know, uh, like narrowing in on the point of being reasonable about this transition is kind of what disguises it. And I think that's why people misread the movie when it came out was that mm. it, he seems nice. But then when you get to like the bare bones, this movie obviously knows he's like a fucking asshole. Well, um, I, I think you could also argue that people generally aren't used to characters who show different sides of themselves. Right. With different, with different roles that they play in their right. lives. And I mean, I don't think, I don't think you can say that he is nice or an asshole. I think you can say that he has some strengths. And I think there are some areas in which elements of his personality dominate and cause a lot of problems, specifically with his uh, relationship, his his marriage. Um, but I think we see generosity and um, care for other people to the to the extent that it's not that it's not this wasn't a filmmaker sitting down and saying i'm gonna write a movie about a selfish guy and the way that he um overshadows this this woman who doesn't realize how she's going to get lost in the relationship because it isn't like that and and yet another strength of the movie is that even as there's a lot of monologuing going on the performances are so good and the writing is so good that it doesn't feel like an exposition dump. It feels like people speaking honestly and coming to new understandings about how they found themselves in the place that they're at. Um, And we really haven't gotten to see that many chances for Scarlett Johansson throughout her career to have moments like this um and characters like this with with long takes and and Mm -hmm. this type of um emotional involvement um as the viewer so um i think there's so much there's so many interesting things going on the idea of like director and and actress and the way that their relationship seems to sort of spark at the beginning but then that dynamic becomes um challenging over time and and i don't but I also don't think the movie is trying to make a statement about that for everyone by any means. It's just about these two people. Yeah. Like he under like Noah understands that the, that this it's a very complex and nuanced um, depiction of, of, of a crumbling relationship and they brought out the worst in each other um, as time went on. And I think some, sometimes I, um, I guess maybe we too, like, uh, <laughs> we, we, uh, expect more from, from audience reception, right. Where it's like, yeah, you're, you're completely right. That's like, we just aren't used to these sorts of nuanced portrayals that it's like, we see shades of, of gray in, in characters we wouldn't otherwise suspect, I guess. Um, 
and it yeah like it comes to that point because like charlie still has this very reluctant attitude to all this once he um rehires jay and then like that that also like creates this idea that the lawyers are doing the talking for them in court um and because they don't have to say these things out loud it makes it easier to just put off these things that are unsaid until they get to the fight in charlie's apartment um yeah i don't know it's it's interesting because it's it is this slow build to nicole being forced to be the bad guy i think that's something that i forgot too is just like how little time nicole is given to 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 be like the caring like easygoing mom that Charlie gets to be and then it's like she's subtly pushing charlie to like you know like like get a lawyer and like like we are we are like doing this but then to what extent do you do you guys think that the reaction to this movie in a few different places says anything about the way that society with a capital s or whatever at this point is even able to process kind of hard-hitting emotions at this point the as you mentioned the idea that the the sort of the biggest emotional scene that certainly made me break down the first time I saw it and I think still like crushes you when when they're arguing to the end and and what Mm -hmm. the place that that anger and frustration takes them to in those moments that that became something that people sort of separated themselves from with the meme and and like the idea that anyone would would check out of that because um they wanted to alleviate themselves of of uh understanding what was going on there mm-hmm. um and then the second part of it being um certainly a lot has changed between um 1979 and 2019 but just the idea of the <laughs> the oscar success that kramer mm. versus kramer had and right. and the way that marriage story got a lot of nominations but i thought deserved to win in, in a few places that it didn't um and i just think the way that we the 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 big the big we at this point which sounds so <laughs> dumb to say but you you know what i'm talking about like a lot of people don't even want a movie like this at all and if they get it they're not going to wait around in it so for a movie to be so nuanced and so willing to not um let the audience off the hook but also not feel like it's punishing anyone it's just trying to tell the story honestly i just i i think i mean don't get me wrong the movie was plenty acclaimed i think a lot of people loved it it's not like it was forgotten or completely overlooked Mm. by any means but i also think that it seems like there are a lot of people that just weren't willing to go to the place that it goes what do you guys absolutely no absolutely i think to answer the awards conversation Part first, it ran into this juggernaut called Parasite, <laughs> you know, and it's and it's like you know losing like direct or well, Bombak wasn't in for director, but it's like losing pick and like I think everything he didn't get nominated for director. No, it was like who was it? it was like Todd Phillips, Marty, Sam Mendes, Bong. Oh, who was fifth? It wasn't Noah, but you say Todd um, Phillips. God. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, who was fifth? I don't know. Um. 
uh, yeah, I think, yeah, because like Parasite was like locked for picture and screenplay. And like, I don't think, and like Joaquin was winning, like Dern was like, it's like, oh, like a legacy Oscar, you know, it's just like, it sucks, you know, right? Like, it's just like, it was in the wrong awards race, I think. Um, but, you know, it's like a lot of the same things for its awards race. Tarantino, you, you missed Tarantino. Tarantino. Yes, thank you. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, a lot of the same things you could say about its awards race, you could say about The Irishman too. Um, where it's just like things Please. like overshadow it. A movie that won no Oscars, which is, you know, crazy. Um, but yeah, like I don't... I don't know because it's like interesting that we're also covering Roma fairly recently to this episode coming out, and they did the same exact strategy with the Irish. I, well, I think at least this, but maybe also the Irishman, that Roma played like Venice, Tiff, and um, uh, Telluride, and then it's like drew up attention from there, like got its all the acclaim, like its cast, like traveled like as a pact throughout various interviews and like spread the word and like a bunch of people loved it but it's like there could like there could have been like overexposure where it's like okay marriage story is great we know this but then like parasite just like kind of like quietly like had this whole thing like sense can and like the award stuff i mean i don't know i feel like we've talked about it and yeah i think it was just one of those things that uh, uh also clay was... no clips this year Laura Dern did not have an oscar clip which is crazy no because it's obviously like the um well i guess i don't know with two scenes it's either like this we don't spiritually accept it or the um her telling this is what i'm gonna do for you Mm -hmm. um but when it goes but going back to the meme and how people disassociate with it i think people have said that this is like the last few generations are generation or a generation bred from divorce as in you know i don't know the numbers nowadays but divorce is insanely prevalent in our society um a lot of so many kids grow up with their parents divorced or they or their parents are divorced mid uh their adolescence um so it's obviously something you would think that would connect home with a lot of people but I think a few things nowadays is um, why this wasn't received or this was um, mocked in certain circles. One, I think it's sincere. Um, and I think sincerity is pretty much dead in a lot of ways. Um, and and the things that are since that are, you know, like the things that are um celebrated for their sincerity are almost more saccharine than they are sincere the fight scene in general like you know the big yelling match in general i think the reason that was also memed is because it is a bit ridiculous and not and when i say ridiculous people are like oh so it's like not it's um uh it's not authentic no it's authentic but people are ridiculous uh people are Mm, like the most ridiculous people like we are inherently ridiculous uh our emotions drive us crazy we do crazy Mm -hmm. shit when we're emotional we do something that is we're all melodramatic it doesn't come like it's so funny that people find that unrealistic and it's like that's the most realistic thing there is people being Mm -hmm. melodramatic it happens everywhere all the time no matter i'm surprised there wasn't background 
there wasn't a scene like it earlier on because it's like that's the the shouting match like that could only happen at the point of the divorce when they right it's not like like the gloves were off right and that's another thing when you take that out of context people think that's the entire movie and and that's another reason like you know social media is can really impact a reputation of a film now do i think that had any connection to its awards uh like you know a likability or whatever no i don't uh, I, I think it's kind of disconnected from that but i i do find it interesting that idea of this film being almost laughed at in a lot of circles or uh pushed aside um and it's not i don't know if i would call it like an important movie because i don't i think that importance is a very subjective thing and i don't know how useful it is unless you're talking about something pretty like you know unless you're talking about something like malcolm x or whatever where like that's like obviously like an important movie this is a, a fantastic movie that talks a lot or you know examines a lot about what we are currently going through in the or not currently i mean well currently but also what we've been we've been going through in this like era of divorce i also think it's one of those topics that either people are uncomfortable with or are just kind of like they don't understand the stakes of it. I, I think it's one of those, if it's a domestic squabble, people kind of push that aside. Like, oh, there's no real stakes. Like what's going to happen? They're, you know, they're well off, you know, they're they're well off, um, you know, upper middle-class people who are having a divorce. What's the big deal? Um, and in a way I can understand some of that perspective, but also on the other hand, it's like the film is more about the, intri- like how intrinsic, um, not intrinsic, but like the details of that messy situation, the details of relationship dynamics changing and flowing and um, evolving and the details of how it, you know, like uh, pre-established industries and ecosystems and like industrial complexes can kind of almost ruin people's lives. Um, there's a line that he says that, you know, uh, the, uh, Alan Alda says that it's kind of counterintuitive. You know, you guys want the best for your child, but you're you're making each other's broke by, you know, like, devo- like by doing this, like you're this was a decision based in the interest of your child and if your well-being. But you guys are pull- you're punishing your child mm-hmm. and yourselves by making this so expensive mm-hmm. and also so like dramatic. Um and, and even worse, those... like Charlie eventually ditches Bert for Jay only to get exactly. back in a call. Yeah. And even it becomes more expensive. this. Yeah. And you see these people being cornered and like they're being like buried under this weight of resentment, but also of this other. this like alien being that's inf- infested their lives or, you know, invaded their lives when it comes to, you know, l- you know, modern law practices and family court and i'm not and this sounds super critical of me saying it's all shit there like i think bert says there's those things are put in place for a reason um i I guess i'm more thinking of the lawyers of it all and how they can be like leeches and how they play with people's lives like games and like posturing like she says at the end like i couldn't let him win i couldn't let him get 50 50 it didn't feel right like how selfish and short-sighted and kind of just i don't know it's like so again it's playing games with people's lives and how it can be so like there's no humanity to it so that's why i think when you take something like that out of context you're going to get a lot of basic on the surface reactions that kind of diminish what 
how much how much value is actually in the piece of itself yeah i think that's all very well said clay um i mean i think i think the fact that it's a movie that is so intelligent about the way that people interact with each other um and different intentions or oversights or unexpected consequences or so many different elements of the way that so many different people interact um makes it really special and and i totally recognize i mean as you said there are whether it's because people came from having divorce in their lives or or any reason why someone wouldn't want to see this movie at all or engage with it this is this can be very personal stuff you would hope that i mean almost any movie can be personal with right. probably right. a few exceptions but um <laughs> there i i get why why people would there are plenty of reasons why people would want to create a certain distance between themselves and this um but i often think that at least some of the the work that i respond to the most um is is stuff that that feels like it is just smart about who people are um mm -hmm. in a way and and i recognize that as i've sort of had certain movies of noah bombax on one side of a fence and, and others on the other i mean i i i appreciate and and this and francis are probably my two favorites of his i, I would mm -hmm. say um and, and i don't think any of these words will sound anything but but cheap in succession but but the the way that they're able to be honest but not judgmental but and also forgiving and also mm -hmm. rather kind of cutting um is a balance that is just so incredibly difficult to strike um and and i was as you were talking about adam driver and sort of the the natural impulse to to feel any certain way about him i was thinking about the way that he has um evolved uh his as an actor and his roles within noah bombox movies and it's funny that you were talking about him being uh like unappealing uh in marriage story uh the character because i i feel like i mean i i like his character lev in in francis ha um his the, his character's name escapes me in in while we're young um and uh and then and charlie and marriage story i feel like and then he's a bit role in Meyerowitz, like a one scene thing that's right sure um of all of those he works for ben stiller i think yeah. mm -hmm, that's right uh, um you know of course the characters are, are very different and, and their place in the film is so different but i i just mm -hmm. i feel like we're supposed to be a rather judgy about those other guys um and which doesn't mean that's not an all-encompassing thing. It doesn't mean we're not supposed to understand why other characters find them appealing or like certain mm -hmm. things about them. But I also think the movie is is cutting down the um, characters' pretensions a lot more, whereas Charlie is so complex that um, I I think I think the uh, any sort of siding with anyone is. I think I think the movie wants you to be jumping back and forth constantly. I don't I don't find myself um, staying with one or the other or thinking one particular thing about someone for very long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there, there's something to this 2010s run, especially post Greenberg. Of course, there's the marriage to Greta Gerwig or the partnership and his movies become like 
more syrupy, like more like, but like a, like a sweet, funny, like it's a different kind of humor. Um, the relationships are more, are, are warmly embraced and, and all this. And it's because he's like gotten, like, I think around this time he had a kid, like there's definitely like new perspectives of like how Noah approaches writing these characters and their dynamics. Um, especially Francis Ha. And I mean, you say Francis Ha in this, there is a reason why I think those two are his most acclaimed, um, just like overall, but maybe it's impossible to, to measure. I'm just, just I'm just kind of like thinking out loud. Um, yeah, and with Adam, uh, I, I, I also heard and heard him talk about writing for for Adam with with their four movies together, and it's and he was saying like I don't this is the first time that I had him in mind for a character. I because they're good, obviously they're they're good friends, but it's like this is now where it's like we were talking about this like since Marowitz, and I think that's interesting too that that it wasn't like a, okay I'm gonna give you like a few supporting roles in my previous movies and now this is your first lead role but it's like he does so fit into charlie so well um that it, it makes sense that i think it was like him scarlet and uh laura dern that were like the first to sign on and yeah that, that makes perfect sense um do we have anything to say about scarlett johansson i feel like this is like a career best performance from her for me um yeah i sorry before we get to that i yeah. just wanted to add because because you brought it up i was thinking about oh, please. Please, um yeah i i had i interviewed um noah bombach about um while we're young when he came to chicago um on a press tour for that movie and i was i mean i really liked that movie so i was excited to talk about it anyways mm -hmm. but but i was also uh, um as someone who had thought a, a lot about what you were getting at Jack about that sort of parallel between the tone of those movies and the personal stuff going on and seeing sort of pre Gerwig post Gerwig thing going on. Um, I, I did ask him about that. And I, I, I think it's understandable why someone wouldn't maybe want to get into that sort of, or like wholeheartedly agree with that theory with someone interviewing them for 15 minutes in a, right. you know, in a room. Um, but, but he did, uh, I, and I want to go back and, and remind myself um, of what he said. And he, he was a little bit acknowledging, I mean, he drew the line between movies that are personal versus autobiographical, but also, mm -hmm. I mean, his, the beginning of his answer about, um, you know, I said, is it fair for viewers to see um, the the tartness of Squid and the Whale, Margot at the Wedding, um, and Greenberg as parallel to times in your life and something that he got out of his system that allowed him to make movies that are arguably a little bit lighter and then also overlap with the change in his personal life? And um, <clears throat> he said, I don't think so. Uh, I think after Squid, I was exploring... Um, and maybe pushing the darker elements or more what might be perceived as pricklier, pricklier elements of human nature and families and relationships uh, in terms of Greenberg. Um, it's not that my overview is represented by those movies more or less than it's represented by While We're Young or Francis. Um, there's me then, and those are things I chose to do then. 
and I was going to spend my time exploring those things. So obviously it was something intriguing for me, but I don't have any sense of it being, um, you know, he goes on to say, basically, even if something felt right at the time, I think he, um, the the line, I, I won't read his whole answer here, but the line I, I really liked, as he also mentioned, um, some other filmmakers um, like Robert Altman um, and, and people who have some different tones and different feelings to their films. He said, mm. um, I like having the same voice take you through a daydream and then a nightmare. Mm. Um, so I just, I, I, I continue to be interested and partially satisfied by getting to talk to him about it directly. Um, the idea of, because of course you, it's easy to forget that, that art comes from people and that certain right. things will come from someone just as we, re, just as we react to something that we see for a reason based on who we are and where we're at at that time in our lives, that that's an explanation of where the art comes from too, but that's easily forgotten. I think. No, absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Like, yeah, that is an, is an interesting perspective because it's so easy as critics and as like, you know, like what we do here, like to psychoanalyze actors and directors than to actually sit down with somebody and be like, this is what I think your life and your work have to do with each other. Um, Cause it's not, concretely like when you were with Jennifer Jason Lee you were a grouch and you didn't like people but then when you're with Greta Gerwig you know your jokes became funnier and you're racist that shit comes with age man right right I was just gonna gonna say yeah yeah. young people are cynical um or you know well I guess I guess I don't know some people there's different are we (laughs) I mean a lot whatever the case is if you're if you're young and cynical if you're young and um you know optimistic that shit changes when you get older um it's just it's just a natural progression of life just because these movies have a marriage component to them and that they have differing views or differing like outlooks is the only reason people are like Jennifer Jason Lee, Greta Gerwig. They must be the fucking reason. When it's yeah. just like if it was if if they weren't about marriage, no one would mention them. Mm-hmm. It was about a completely different subject matter. And I'm not saying it's crazy to mention that. It makes sense. It's logical. Um, but to you know, but the idea of it's, you know, a one for one, like a perfect, like obviously this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, one is limiting to uh any perception of art. And it's limiting to an artist's ability to create their own world without having their entire life be funneled into their art. Like it can be something, it can just be an expression of something else. They might be expressing a completely different feeling by these movies that is unrelated to any kind of marriage. I don't know, but that's the thing like that. And I'll just, I just want to read one more line. Sorry. I did don't want to cut you off clay i just want no to, no worries I, I i think you're so right about that so i want to read just one more line that i thought he made a really good point in my conversation with him he said i love being with greta so i'm very happy you could also argue it would give me a certain kind of comfort to go explore something darker too it works both ways sometimes when you're right. feeling good it gives you permission to rock the boat a little bit in your work i thought that was a good really good point 
shit is not math. It's not like one plus one equals two. And I think we need to get away with that, get away from that. And when we discuss art, like the most nuanced thing there ever has been, art is pure nuance. Um, and especially the way you receive it. Um, I yeah, I, I think this narrative focus, and I'm guilty of it too. I'm not a fucking saint, but this idea of wait what auto fiction, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, like it's it's interesting. Like, and I caught myself doing it when it came to pain and glory when we talked about mm. that. I'm like, oh, this is what happened to Almodovar, blah blah blah. And it's like, no, <laughs> it's auto like like you you make uh, auto fiction was the, the term you used, Jack, and I really like that. Um, obviously, pieces of you know anything a filmmaker makes has pieces of them in it, mm-hmm. but it's just you know unless it's like a fucking like. Like the Fablemans, you know, obviously there's like that's a bio, like autobiography in a lot of ways. But, mm-hmm. you know, at some point it's just like sometimes they were just wanted to do something different and they wanted to or they felt like they've grown as a person or they they or their art has evolved. There's so many different components that go into that. It's uh, the simple the simplification of it is um, frustrating, to say the least. I remember when this was like vaguely when this was announced and there was there was kind of like online there was like a like a groaning like oh okay again like Noah's making a movie about divorce and right. it's gonna be about like with, with Adam uh and it's and it's kind of like disrespectful to like Noah's oeuvre because it's like it fits in and he's a complete he's clearly a completely different artist from when he made Squid um also there's like that method that he used of interview i mean the details of how exactly they were inserted i i wasn't sure he interviewed um like other couples that were divorced and like what's your experience with getting separated and and can you tell me about like why your marriage eventually broke off and like i think it, it was something like himself laura dern and scarlett johansson all shared the same divorce lawyer that Laura Dern is modeled after. Um, That's very funny. Isn't that crazy? And um, I think that they shot her scenes in her own office, which is like so crazy. Um, But yeah, like it helps the movie that like Scarlett Johansson is like also going through a divorce when they film this. Like there was a lot that lent into this becoming less of just Noah recounting the details of him being separated from uh, Jenny. Jason. Right. And it's all, it's that collaborative effort that we like to ignore because it doesn't fit our narrative of auteurism. And obviously there are auteurs and obviously there are people who have a lot of, you know, control and uh, um, impact on their own art. But it also, but like you said, it's like the actors are involved, the fucking cinematographers are involved, the, you know, mm-hmm. like the producers are involved. Like, I bet that a lot of, like, I haven't seen the Fablemans, but I bet Dano incorporates a lot of different people in his life in that performance. It's not just, be, he's, he can't, he's not recreating Spielberg's dad just to do it. Like, yeah. Everyone draws from different things. And it's just, it's just, a, it's a process that I, I think, should not be simplified um but that's not i'm not breaking any new ground here i forgot you, you guys want to hear a crazy fact i forgot that scarlett johansson was separated from ryan reynolds um yeah julie julie Haggerty 
played Ryan Reynolds's mom in Just Friends, the 2005 movie. Isn't that funny? Oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was before the Blake Lively of it all. Um, yeah. Blake. But yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know. Um I I think Johansson this is probably mm, I yeah. don't know, man. It's like she doesn't have like she has like it's a very top heavy filmography, meaning that her good performances are really fucking good. You know, mm-hmm. under the skin, her this movie, and maybe like another one. That's or two all we've covered. I'm not thinking of. also, yeah, that's um, and then you just get into the middling, and then it gets like really after those like top heavy movies, it gets kind of mm-hmm. it's not great. Um, he, she's not like the worst actress in the world, and she has like a lot of stuff that's pretty like okay. Um, no, I don't think she like I don't think she has like true stinkers besides like two or three but like she's in bad movies but i don't think she's ever terrible in them like it's funny because it's like i think she's underrated in this at the time and i think now because it's like this coming out the same time and being nominated with as jojo rabbit and it's the interview when she's like i could play anything and it didn't Mm -hmm. help like the like the the rallying wasn't that before wasn't that it, interview it, before? it was but it sort of like lingered to sort of right like oh yeah it still lingers it's still, it's still like, yeah it, yeah because it was a fucking nonsense thing to say but i'm just saying like this like it's just like this performance is so good and it's like the fact that she's like it, it's hard to not think about like those comments like well, that and she's a black widow, and she has is a lot right. of overexposure issues, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's um, true. and that yeah. comes with a lot of different actors, um, and you know the Ghost in the Shell, like she has some blemishes, sure, on yeah, um, on her record, but like, but she is, but I I, I do get annoyed when people think that she's a bad actress. She's obviously not. Like, mm-hmm. Under the Skin is an incredible performance, and it's also a physical performance. There's, she doesn't have a ton of fucking dialogue in that movie. That's mm-hmm. not easy. That's not an easy thing for actors to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also Marriage Story, Her, and Under the Skin are three very different movies. She yeah. operates in different ways. So yeah, I, I think it's one. It's like you know her how sexualized she's been in culture and um, the Marvel thing and her other comments. Mm-hmm. It's people and you know Lost in Translation. I can't believe I forgot that. She's like another yeah. top tier. We forget like, how young she was in Lost in Translation. She's right. only thirty six. You know, it is kind of crazy, like how long she's been around. And you're right, like the Black Widow of it all, like lent to some like. No, she's been sucked into the machine. It's yeah, and it sucks. Um, because and yes, like you weren't here for it, but we did get into the under the skin conversation about like like playing with her like public image and and all that but she's just really good in this and i i definitely think it's a case of where just as as actors can be typecast i think people the viewers also get certain perceptions in their mind of where you know just like there are some actors where anything they do is taken as the most brilliant thing that anything anyone has ever done um once you reach that certain level of respectability and i'm not saying that anyone doesn't deserve it but i think the the fawning over people that that reach that level um 
deprives the ability to simply just be objective about each individual thing. And that's how like the Iron Lady love happens, you know, things that just we don't need to be screaming from the rooftops. um, Whereas this is not to say anything bad about Meryl Streep, but we just we need there needs to be more room for someone who we're not used to seeing have a great an opportunity to do something great to be great um i I think people just sort of cognitively don't make space for that and there's probably a a separate conversation to have there about um the even roles that exist at all and sexism and the ways in which Scarlett Johansson has been acting for her whole life and even in such a smaller window for Adam Driver um, becoming an actor, I, mm-hmm. we can already point to um, really memorable highlights as the lead or a supporting role, even whether it's Logan Lucky or even uh, being the best friend role in What If is a really memorable uh, performance too. Good shout out. It's a good shout out. Yeah. I love that movie is is delightful. <laughs> hey, um, talk about rom- good romantic comedy. Yeah, and I, a lot of people haven't seen that, and that you yeah. very much care about the people. Um, but but I just think there's the perception of certain people, uh, and you can only there's usually no floor, but there definitely is a ceiling. So that when right. Scarlett Johansson gets one of the roles of her life and does it fantastically people somehow are psychologically wired to just be like yeah it was good but so what but if it was someone else they would have been falling all over themselves right and like you said it is but yeah it also happens it's all narrative based this actor's great and they give a bad performance well they're great this factor's bad and they give a great performance well they're bad it is this, you know, it goes back to the simplicity of it all. But yeah, it's that idea of preconceptions to alter how you view a specific piece. Um, and yeah, it is um, it is challenging. Uh, and, you know, everyone's guilty of it. Uh, but it is one of those things where, I don't know, man, just watch the fucking thing and then have an opinion and then f- see where you're at. At yeah. some point, you just got to shut up and watch the fucking movie and just chill. That's it. It, it, it sometimes comes to it. Sometimes it's that simple where you just watch the fucking thing and then see mm-hmm. where you're at. Like, that's. I don't know. I think we get lost in, into it. We get lost into all of the narratives and the awards talk and the discourses and all of that. It's just sometimes it's simple. Just watch it. I thought that was good. I thought that was bad. That's it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> And within yeah, that I, is the 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 movies that get stamped like this or else or dislike this or else. And that's right. where the ability to even have a discussion about anything or making people who would hesitate to put their honest feelings out there sort of retreat to the background because there is that um, that like steel wall up um, where it's like certain things exist on this side everything else exists on this side but it's like how dare you say anything bad about this or how could you possibly have liked this i just i just feel like too often nothing nothing should be above the point of where we can actually talk about it um to if there if there of course if there's a legitimate dissenting opinion i mean that assuming everything is in good faith and people are 
informed and saying things that they legitimately feel and want to talk about intelligently. I think I just, because as, as you said, Clay, because things tend to get organized based on awards possibilities at certain times of the year, and because there is very much an all or nothing sensation to um, critical response sometimes, um, I just think even some of the most acclaimed movies or some overlooked movies, even something I know a lot of people, I, I loved Babylon. I thought it was great, but I, there was such um, a like a, a wave of people who were like, this sucks and anyone who likes it is dumb. If you are angry about something, fine. Obviously, I was very angry about At Midnight. I will absolutely debate that movie all day with someone who thinks it's beautiful and sweet or whatever. Okay. <laughs> but I but I'm willing to I would like to think that I'm willing to try to listen and understand why something hits someone a particular way or why mm -hmm. um especially and and I I'm being a little bit generous and and ridiculous and even making this point because objectively and clearly I'm biased and talking simultaneously about something I love and hate but objectively Babylon was at least trying to do so much and had so much um filmmaking skill and um interest in and in engaging um ideas that that I think it's it's just a shame and not to take us down a rabbit hole of, of something totally unrelated to what we're even talking about, but but to bring it back to the Scarlett Johansson-ness of it all, I think when when anything gets reduced to just um it sucked, end of conversation, or I have no expectation for it, so I don't care. Um as Clay said, watch the thing, figure out what you think, whether it's your favorite filmmaker or someone that you think sucks i mean every i think everyone should probably have some a filmmaker they love and at least one time where they thought they weren't as good or an actor who they usually don't particularly like but a few times where they actually were pretty good like it's okay to to take it at face value each time i know that's easier said than done but i think the inability to do that results in really an absence of the type of interesting, fun, thought-provoking type of conversation that we can have about things without either labeling it 100 out of 100 or zero time to move on. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love this podcast and podcasting in general is it gets to those conversations more easily than any kind of discourse or whatever gets to it. We get more into the nuances of, no, I didn't like this. No, I didn't like that. Um, but, you know, this is... It's all perspective. And in this movie, it's all about, and that's what makes Charlie such a bad person. And not sorry, what makes him very difficult to maintain a relationship with and why that marriage falls apart in a he's lot a of He's a bad husband. Yeah. yeah, he's a bad husband. I mean, he's a great father. Um, and he's a good dad, but a bad husband. It's, it's honestly I, that's how I feel. And not to be again simplistic, yeah. but but the moment he says, I don't understand why you want to move to New York or I don't understand why you want to live in L.A. is like that's that's the thing. It's like being obtuse. It's being more self-absorbed in your own uh, <clears throat> worldview. It's like if people say they like it, understand why they like it before you dismiss everything they say. It's that kind of thing of just just get out of your own bubble for a second and kind of try to in good faith, understand why someone has a different reaction than you do. Noah is also a pretty skeptical LA filmmaker. 
which of course lends into that general like let's just we where, where the yeah there's like a lot of talk of like we we live in new york my play my theater company is in new york we we're supposed to raise henry in new york but and, and then you know it's just like then nicole is trying to tug him for her goals and aspirations um it just comes down to just compromise and i don't and and charlie doesn't know how to yeah and not to reduce it any further from i think what we've come down to it it's just like the fight scene being the centerpiece and being like that's the movie's ultimate like punctuation it doesn't help the general like the the inevitable like awards conversation because the word season is all about reducing a movie for better or for worse to its most finite details and, and its most simplistic details that can then make a conversation easier to have about what's better and what's worse and and then for marriage story it happened to be the fight scene um when in fact that's not what the movie is about it's just like how the characters end up expressing how they finally feel after after they've done so much hurt to each other silently um and yeah it's just like the fact that that was what got so much exposure and charlie punching a hole through the wall is like kind of its legacy it's it's i mean not really but also it you know it's you know what i mean but it sucks great memes came out of it i will give him that there were some really funny (laughs) memes that came out of that um, I mean, to, but... to even try to make a relevant connection to, to Babylon is I'll, I will say that one thing I appreciated about that movie. We've just spent several episodes of me interrogating like, you know, a handful of guests about their Babylon take. So please take it away. That's fine. Bring it on. I'm um, I'm addicted to what everyone thinks about this movie. OK, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I I was very much into the way that movie was considering what what and how anything can be captured authentically on screen like what we believe what we want to see what we don't believe and what we don't want to see um and i think the the ways in which um marriage story achieves something that is so rich the 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 universal coming from the specific the idea that we we feel like we know these people so well and that the things that they learn about themselves i mean so many movies about relationships are about like timing but but few are as effective i think as marriage story in the in the way that the relationship happens when it happens and works when it does but also changes over time and like plants the necessary seeds in a way that doesn't at all seem like it's just sort of making it too simple or or you know drawing direct lines from this to this because it's it's just it's there's too much going on um Mm -hmm. and i feel like again you would think something that hinges on as many long scenes as it does or as as much talking as it does would feel like it's um worried that people won't understand it or um want worry too much about choosing sides which i definitely think um the the meme uh element fed into um yeah but i i i think it's a movie that if people don't think it can lead to the type of conversation that we're having about it um that they've that they've just 
again, everyone responds to things for a certain reason. So I don't want to say that someone is missing something, but I right. I would argue that this film is is extremely um thorough in what it understands about what it's doing mm-hmm. and whether you like it or not i think to to claim that it doesn't have this much in there to at least consider and debate would be inaccurate it has yes. value it yes. has and that's what i even movies i don't like i try to see okay what's the value in it and unless it's like schlock unless it's like even when we covered like bad movies it never i never wanted us to be like a this sucks for this reason, right? I never wanted us to just keep talking about what we didn't like, but actually just unless like, it's the emoji movie. No, okay. It's that. <laughs> I, I was not going to say that, but yes, um, <laughs> there are, there's there's instances where you know it's, but no, I just I I think Noah Baumbach is a first and foremost, yes, a writer director, but a great observationalist of like human behavior humor relationships yeah just like i think that's why i've always responded to him and think that he's like one of my favorites ever um i just like the way that he sees the human interaction but um and and maybe people it's it's fair that people don't want to feel badly sometimes people um you know, I, I moderate discussions for a couple uh, movie clubs, and mm-hmm. certainly there are times when when members of the group will um, retreat from a movie a little bit, and and I I like talking about the separation between sort of not that you want, but we I don't I don't want to assign too many movies that are making anyone feel badly, but but sometimes if people are uncomfortable with something or um, really batting something around in their mind as is intended that that's not a bad thing so when we're looking Mm -hmm. at the different the movies across Noah Baumbach's career um the fact that uh that some people would point to the squid and the whale or, or something and say that that was their favorite of theirs that doesn't mean that they're right or wrong about it but clearly they're their level of discomfort that they can tolerate the way that they respond to what's going on in that movie and how it feels um, is going to be very personal to them. Um, And even if we can think that that is the case with anything that people see, I think it's particularly true with a lot of the things that Noah Baumbach works with. Um, So maybe people have to consider when thinking about what their favorite work of his is, is, you know, the way that they want to feel, the way that they have seen his worldview shift in different ways, but also also the, the way that you perceive your own, those moments in your own life for Francis Ha to be so keyed into mm. being 27 and have, and considering whether to give up on your dreams or not, um, and, and doing so much more than just being a, you know, quarter life crisis to, to use a horrible term, um, type of movie, um, you know, it's it. There are some people that, depending on how things went for them or how they want to look back on that time or singlehood or whatever, are going to think a certain way about that. Um, you know, even as silly as to look at like the scene in that movie uh, in Francis Ha of um, thinking it's going to be so 
awesome uh and romantic to go to paris for the weekend and then being like oh no this was pointless and expensive why did i do this um but but there's so many times across his career where i think he's exploring um in a lot of different ways and with a lot of different tones um looking beneath the surface of something of idolizing your your father in the squid and the whale and then seeing there's something much more textured and difficult um going on there um and then uh you know in in francis as i said even looking at that scene of, of going to paris uh and then in in marriage story i don't think he's suggesting that charlie and nicole had a superficial view of each other um by any means but the way that their relationship plays out is nothing simpler or more complicated than simply having time to get to know each other more and the little 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 things as even i know you need to give me a note the the play is over there's no point in you actually telling me what you right, thought of my performance right. but you have to tell me anyways this is a really even, special movie yes it's i think it's great um and it's like even subtracting like the onlineness and the award season of it all. It's like, I think he's leaving behind a filmography that's going to age with people. And it's like, what can, what more can you ask for like a legacy in your filmography? If not for something that it's like, people will see Francis Ha and uh, kicking and screaming and this in the right time in their lives. And then it'll age with them. I mean, like, that's just like everything you want. Um, yeah. Special movie. Uh, is there anything else that we want to go over or should we hop on over to favorite scene? Let's get to favorite scene. Yeah. Fantastic. Anybody can, can start us off. Um, Matt, Matt, do you need a minute or? I, I was going to uh, consider. There are a lot of things I could point to. I, I would feel free to have someone else okay. go first. I think, I, I think I've always known Charlie singing being alive was my favorite but this one sort of like confirmed it um you know, it, it's kind of like everything that's <laughs> it's like the the last like bow of of the of the movie it's and then like the curtain closes really on on that emotional arc um and then you get you know and then obviously you have like the halloween uh, party to like wrap it up but it's it's just like yeah it's it's him sort of like reconciling after it all and and of course like I think um uh I read somewhere that Sondheim like plays an important part in this because like you could drive a person crazy is like you know um uh Nicole's mom and sister all sing that uh the scene before um but no I just and Adam, Adam Driver speaks in an interview that he like hates singing in public that and he has that very deadpan delivery obviously he's just like i just i don't like singing for other people and it's like that's what you want to be in a musical you have to sing my friend and, and uh you know it's and he's just he has a really cool voice like um very like operatic and you know it's it's great i, I just love that scene Someone to hold you too close. Someone to hurt you too deep. Someone to sit in your chair, to ruin your sleep. That's true, but there's more than that. Is that all you think there is to it? 
You have so many reasons for not being with someone, Robert, but you have one good reason for being alone. Come on, run to something. Bobby, run to something. Someone to need you too much. Someone to know you too well. Someone to pull you up short, to put you through hell. You see what you look for, you know? You're not a kid anymore, Robbie. I don't think I'll ever be a kid again, kiddo. Being alive. Being alive. Being alive. Blow out the candles, Robert, and make a wish. Want something. Want something. Somebody hold me too close. Somebody hurt me too deep. Somebody sit in my chair and ruin my sleep and make me aware of being alive. Being alive. Somebody need me too much. Somebody know me too well. Somebody pull me up short and put me through hell and give me support for being alive. Make me alive. Make me alive. Make me confused. Mock me with praise. Let me be you. But alone is alone, not alive. Somebody crowd me with love, somebody force me to care, somebody make me come through, I'll always be there, as frightened as you. To help us survive Being alive Being alive Being alive There's this one edit that I can't remember and I just watched it. There's this one cut from, it's like, a, it's like almost a dissolve from something to the plane to a plane taking off and i'm trying to remember what exact scene that was but that that stood out to me and it's weird i can't remember the scene but there's this like dissolve into a plane like him flying to la Mm -hmm. um i think it might be towards the beginning i i might know what you're trying to i just forget the context of it yeah um i will say my favorite scene is the beginning Mm -hmm. um a montage is beautifully done. It establishes so much. Um, it's a beautiful screenwriting technique of just like, okay, how do how can we set the table for this um this uh relationship and what how good was it? Why were mm. these people in love in the first place? Um, it does so many things so quickly. I, it, it establishes so many different dynamics and things about them that you will discover later, like, you know, you will continue to discover through the film. Um, it's, you know, Randy Newman's on a fucking mm-hmm. 11, and it's it's great. Love it, love it, love it. Mm-hmm. What I love about Nicole 
She makes people feel comfortable about even embarrassing things. Hey, you look like you care about animals. Yes, I do. She really listens when someone is talking. Sometimes she listens too much for too long. She's a good citizen. She always knows the right thing to do when it comes to difficult family shit. Colin. I get stuck in my ways, and she knows when to push me and when to leave me alone. She cuts all our hair. She's always inexplicably brewing a cup of tea that she doesn't drink. And it's not easy for her to put away a sock or close a cabinet or do a dish, but she tries for me. Nicole grew up in LA around actors and directors and movies and TV and is very close to her mother, Sandra, and Cassie, her sister. gives great presents. She is a mother who plays, really plays. She never steps off playing or says it's too much. And it must be too much some of the time. She's amazing at opening jars because of her strong arms, which I've always found very sexy. She keeps the fridge over full. No one is ever hungry in our house. She can drive a stick. How could you? After that movie All Over the Girl, she could have stayed in LA and been a movie star, but she gave that up to do theater with me in New York. You might as well get what you paid for. She's brave. She's a great dancer, infectious. She makes me wish I could dance. She always says when she doesn't know something or hasn't read a book or seen a film or a play, or as I fake it or say something like I haven't seen it in a while. My crazy ideas are her favorite things to figure out how to execute. Let's try it. Crawling also standing. She's my favorite actress. What I love about Charlie, Charlie is undaunted. He never lets other people's opinions or any setbacks keep him from what he wants to do. Charlie eats like he's trying to get it over with and like there won't be enough food for everyone. A sandwich is to be strangled while devoured. But he's incredibly neat, and I rely on him to keep things in order. He's energy conscious. Hey. Sorry. 
He doesn't look in the mirror too often. I cry four times. Me too. He cries easily in movies. I wonder if it was the same four. He's very self-sufficient. He can darn a sock and cook himself dinner and iron a shirt. What are we doing over here? The peppers are cut. He rarely gets defeated, which I feel like I always do. Got some carrots. Charlie takes all of my moods steadily. He doesn't give in to them or make me feel bad about them. He's a great dresser. He never looks embarrassing, which is hard for a man. God damn it, Charlie! He's very competitive. Oh, come on! What's this? Who owns Baltic Avenue? Me. How much is it? I don't have enough. $150. Okay, so I'm done? I'm done, right? That's it. He loves being a dad. He loves all the things you're supposed to hate, dad. like the tantrums, the waking up at night. I had a bad dream. It's okay. It's almost annoying how much he likes it, but then it's mostly nice. Dad, stay. He disappears into his own world. Shit. What's so He and Henry are alike in that way. He can tell people when they have food in their teeth or on their face in a way that doesn't make them feel bad. Perfect. Charlie is self-made. His parents, I only met them once, but he told me there was a lot of alcohol and some violence in his childhood. As soon as she comes in the lookout, they come in on my camcorder. He moved to New York from Indiana with no safety net, and now he's more a New Yorker than any New Yorker. Made sure they used the right almond milk. He's brilliant at creating family out of whoever is around. With the theater company, he cast a spell that made everyone feel included. No one, not even an intern, was unimportant. He could remember all the inside jokes. Where do you go when it's windy? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> He's extremely organized and thorough. He's very clear about what he wants, unlike me, who can't always tell. Let's stop right there. Yeah, I, I'm going to cheat and, and point to two that, that we've talked about. Love but cheating. That, <laughs> <laughs> but that I want to, you know, raise a little bit more i mean the first one i will agree with clay the opening sequence i just think i could watch it every week and and be impressed by it over and over again and i think part of that is because the ways in which it um it just understands things in ways that we just i think people will will think about these people differently every time they watch the movie you know the uh where the type of family environment that nicole came from versus the type of family environment that charlie came from and then his sense of creating community um within the theater world um 
that, you know, he's a great dresser, but he's very competitive. The things that she leaves out, all of the details are simply from lived experience and not from a screenwriter sitting down and, you know, the, the worst possible cliches of leaving the toilet seat up or not putting stuff like putting the, the clothes in the laundry basket or something. It just, right. I, there's such a, just because something is great at the, at the beginning doesn't mean the entire movie will be great. Um, cough up. Um, but I love when a movie just hits you so much right away and then you feel that sensation of being in the hands of a filmmaker who knows what they're doing the entire way through and that high right off the bat um continues throughout the entire movie and I think um to look at both that opening scene and then the the meme scene the fight the climactic emotional peak and the way that it starts out from a relatively level place and that within that is such um, a, a lot of other filmmakers, I think you would maybe have a sense of where it was going um, or sort of be like anticipating the ways that it does what it does there. But like the rest of the movie, you just are in those moments um, with them, feeling the emotions kind of stabilizing or fraying. And I mean, in this movie, when it's when it's good, the, the people feel comfortable. And when it's bad, they feel like it's never going to be good ever again. Um, mm-hmm. It's just so sensitive and raw. Um, and I, I think part of what maybe why this type of thing doesn't come around very often or why it can even be hard to talk about sometimes is because these these are just sort of these are small things that can be hard to articulate when talking about i mean i've i i will appeal to nobody by saying that i i've been someone who has always sort of recoiled with the expression the feels um (laughs) because it is it is such it is such a reflection of not actually talking about how you feel it's Um, sort of like like a like a disguise of yeah yeah exactly this movie is the opposite of the feels if you say this movie gave you the feels you totally (laughs) missed what the movie is doing and that's what i love about it Right. It's deconstructing the feels. Human emotions are complicated. That's so like, funny. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's really good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Matt, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's been an absolute delight to have you. Thank you guys um, so much for having me. This was a blast. One more time. Where can everybody find um, Talk 90s with me? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so paperback, hardcover, ebook on Amazon, of course, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, get it through your uh, local indie bookshop through IndieBound. Um, it was a really awesome project to work on. And I'm so proud of how the conversations turned out. Anything else to plug or promote while you're here? Or? No, I, I'm at Matt Pace in all the usual places, M-A-T-T-P-A-I-S. The website is just mattpace.com. And 
um, love having discussions like this. So thank you, Jack and Clay, awesome. for for a great um, series that that allows for these types of um, interactions. Yeah. Um, thank you. I um, can be found on Twitter at, at Jack H. Reaper. I write sometimes for the Boston Hassle. Um, my letterbox is Jack Draper Seven. This movie is available on Netflix. Did you guys know that? It's it's there for a limited yeah, time, right. actually. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> it's also on the Criterion channel or the Criterion collection, right? So like this and Roma, like the two recent Netflix we've done, you know, it's the whole thing. Night comes um, for us. Get it on right, Criterion. Night comes for, a night uh, comes for yeah. us. Deserves to be on Criterion. Would you put that before The Irishman or all would you of them? Want... Every okay. single Netflix movie. Why do I ask? Okay. Um, <laughs> next time on Exiting Through the 2010s, we have Christian Petzold's Transit. We are staying in 2019. Um, Izzy from Be Kind Rewind will be here for that one. Great fucking movie. Um, I started. <laughs> Christian Petzold is one of your guys. Very excited yeah. for that. I started I started watching it because we had to reschedule and so I stopped because I had to do some homework anyways and I that opening fucking shot is so good it's mm. so good I fucking love that movie mm. um everyone can follow me at birds of clay on twitter you can uh, and letterbox and follow me on instagram at mr clay williams you can follow the podcast twitter account at ett pod uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars on any podcast platform you listen to us on to. We greatly appreciate it. You can send us an email at xzoom2010 at gmail.com. You can send us a question, whatevs. Um, be good to yourself. Share us with your friend. Run run in the middle of the street. Uh, wave down a car. Slam your if you're hands in the hood. Court, and, and you're obviously if you're in divorce, divorce court, recommend us at, to anyone. all of your lawyers. All of your lawyers. lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just fucking shout it from the rooftops. We greatly appreciate it. Um, and as always, guys, we'll see you next time on exiting through the 2010s. Mm -hmm.